I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm Phil Kirkbride, and today I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Adam Jones, and Gav Buckland as we chew the fat over all the major talking points. And of course, we are here to preview tomorrow's trip to Brighton. But before we go any further, a bit of breaking news, a bit of breaking transfer news, uh, as we've just put out in the last 20 minutes or so. Everton are interested in signing Porto winger Luis Diaz. But as part of the potential deal, James Rodriguez would go in the opposite direction. Preno, um, we, we've known for you know for, for a number of months that, that James was free to leave. Did you believe that we would find a club? I think I had some doubts. I thought it was a it was a shrinking market for a player on his wages. But it appears, and it's looking likely at this stage, that his old club Porto uh, will be welcoming him back. No, given how close we are to the uh, the transfer window closing, I was a, a little bit concerned. You know, we were going to be left with a player that clearly the manager doesn't have great long-term plans for. Um, so, yeah, quite heartening to hear that a solution, as Rafa would say, uh, to that you know problem has been, uh, has been discovered. I can't honestly say I know a great deal about Luis Diaz, uh, other than you know what everybody else has done. Quickly searched him and saw that he scored an absolute storm against Brazil in the Air Copa America uh, this year. But other than that, you know, obviously he's a lot younger uh, than James. You presume, you know, so he fits Rafa's uh, strategy a little bit better in that he's likely to be, you know, so you know, more of a, an up and down kind of you know, wide player. But I don't know, to be honest. I'm just I'm just reassured that we've actually found, you know, sort of solution to it, which could have been quite a difficult problem for Rafa to have to deal with. I mean, likewise with Moyes Keane as well, you know, which looks like, you know, that might, you know, have a an end product as well with him going back to Juve. So, you know, finally, you know, the transfer window was starting to, to liven up a little with their in- incomings and outgoings. And, you know, fingers crossed, things are moving in the right direction. Um, as I usually come to you when we don't know much about a play in the hope that you might have a bit more uh, <laughs> information than, 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 than us three. Um, anything on uh, Luis Diaz that's, uh, that we should know? <laughs> No, I've got to say Portuguese football isn't really my forte. I think the only time I've ever seen him play was when they played against Man City in the Champions League last season. And to be fair, he scored an absolute worldie in that game as well. You know, picked up picked up the ball on the halfway line. It was a bit like you know, like Ross Barkley's run against Newcastle, where he just like ran round the whole defence. He essentially did that, but produced a much better finish at the end of it. Really, really good into the uh, into the far corner. So you know, if he can keep scoring goals like that. Then, uh, then Everton fans will absolutely love him. And to be honest, when when you look at it on the face of things, this is just a deal that makes sense really well from the Everton point of view. It certainly makes sense, doesn't it? Because you know we've known for some time now that James Rodriguez hasn't been in Rafa Benitez's plans, but you know obviously he's a he's a quality player. So if it had come to September the first and he was still an Everton player, Everton would have had to try and work him in somehow, and that would have been. That would have been a little bit tricky, I think, uh, over you know the next few months up until January or you know even possibly until the end of the season. You know, Diaz is somebody who fits more fits the the profile that we would expect 
Everton to be going for. He's a much younger winger. He's still very much on the up. He, uh, he's got you know a lot of experience in Portuguese football now. It looks like he's ready for the step up to a different league now. And you know the, the Premier League, you're not going to get a much bigger step up than that in world football, really. So you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if Everton can pull this off. It really does seem like he would be the right sort of profile. And he really does increase competition on the wing even further, doesn't it? Because you know, we've got as Andros Townsend and Tamari Gray come in over the summer already. I think Alex Iwobi in the first three games of the season has really stepped up as well. Be interesting to see what this means for Anthony Gordon's immediate future, whether that would potentially open up another loan for him uh, before deadline day as well. So, yeah, it could be a, a little bit of a domino effect if this if this happens. But you know, on the face of things, I've just got to say that it, it from the Everton's perspective, at least, it really does seem like a deal that makes a lot of sense. Gav, look, you, you know, you are the uh, the voice of reason on this podcast, and and, and very sort of no, I don't mean, no. I mean that. I mean that complimentary, but yeah. you know, Luis Diaz is a sort of signing that not many fans, you know, and I'm, I'm forgive yeah. me if you know everything about Luis Diaz and you're listening to this, but perhaps no. won't know a lot about you know Colombian winger. It is a sort of signing that actually will excite fans, you know, and I understand Luis has perhaps been underwhelmed by. The, the, the low-key arrivals of Gray and Townsend and Begovic, albeit they've done very well and are, and are doing an excellent job. Diaz is a sort of name and, and coming from Porto, playing the Champions League, that will get fans excited, I guess. Absolutely. Um, I'm probably the only person on the on the pod who's not seen them score a worldie, by the way. Uh, I'll have to catch <laughs> up with those uh, strikes. <laughs> yeah, I, I, for the simple reason that you mentioned winger, don't you? And they're all automatically... Gets the the juices flowing. I think I think the thing about this deal, if it comes off, is there's a degree of mystery, isn't there? That there's not often with many transfers. Mm. You know, we've just had the conversation there. I mean, oh, he, he's done this, he's done that. Because of the globalised nature of the game, and everyone knows everything about domestic football as well. You don't often get a deal where actually we don't really know much about him. You know, apart from a few few highlights. Yeah, exactly. A uh, big fan of this deal, right age, 24, entering his peak years, you know. Um, I never thought today the way Hamas Rodriguez and Mike White mentioned in the same sentence, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, Neither did he. You say, you, yeah, yeah, true, true. You, you're talking, I think I've just caught up your piece, uh, 30 million, but might be down to 20 if Hamas is included, um, perhaps. Uh, yeah, big fan of the deal on face value. Um, also intrigued to see how it sort of, I mean, out wide we've been relatively good, haven't we, the start of the season? Um, how, how it fits in with that. Uh, and dare I say whether it doesn't sort of, you know, sort of predict or whatever is anticipation of any sort of outgoing, further outgoings between now and the end of the window. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll have this all day long. Right age profile for the start, which is always a good start. And, I'm not sure what what the deal is regarding Hamez's wages, you know, for as mm. part of this this deal because he obviously can't, you know, to where the Porto could afford his wages. Been certain to see whether that's baked into the fee somewhere down the line. But again, that's just sound like me sound nasty. But getting Hamez off the wage bill is good regarding our uh, financial constraints as well. So, mm. um, yeah. Big fan of this deal, uh, and I hope the lad does well and, and scores a well. The I can see, uh, <laughs> at Anfield. 
Yeah. Preno, I think Rafa said, uh, used the word last week that the club may have to be creative. And it does feel like Diaz would probably have been on a list of several wingers. Of course, we knew the yeah. club like Dwight McNeil, but I think they were they were quoted an astronomical figure, understandably Burnley, not prepared to sell for anything close to what I think Everton were prepared to pay. So it does feel like they have been created because they, it is the killing of two birds with one stone in that respect, isn't it? You're finding somewhere for Hammers to go and at the same time getting a winger who you who you rate and has been on a shortlist. Yeah, it's a perfect example of that. I mean, Rafa loves all this. I think he really does enjoy all the, uh, the transfer market, you know, machinations, you know, still trying to rob Peter to pay Paul, let's do this and let's do that. Uh, I remember a long, long time ago when I was uh, I was covering for one of the Liverpool writers and speaking to Rafa in the summer, and uh, he suddenly presented me with this like long list of uh, strikers that he was attempting to target last summer. I remember thinking, is he doing this because he wants to put pressure on the owners, or is he genuinely into you know all these all these players? One of them was Fernando Torres, um, you know, you know, then you know, sort of joined the club, you know, so not long after that. So yeah, he, he's obviously he's a scholar of European football. He knows the other markets inside out. And I think he actually quite enjoys it. I mean, some managers don't. Some managers are a little bit, you know, so wary and cautious of their transfer market activity. Others do. I mean, Howard Kendall was an, a man who absolutely loved, uh, you know, sort of transfer market activity. Uh, you know, so having a little dip here, a little dip there, a little dip there. Uh, and Rafa's the same, I think. So, yeah, he will have other options lined up as well. I mean, obviously, the way the transfer market works nowadays is that it takes so many days to actually, you know, get a transfer over the line. You can't just, like, swoop in, you know, sort of half a day, even though some clubs try and do it on a, on transfer deadline day, uh, causing all kinds of uh, headaches. But, you know, it does take a little bit of a time to do it. But you get the impression that, you know, if, for arguments like this deal doesn't happen, Rafa might have something else up his sleeve as well, you know, so something else lined up. So, yeah, it's going to be quite a lively two or three days. It's going to be hard work for you guys, but, you know, it's, um, it's going to be interesting and worth watching. Indeed. Um, add, you know, the two sides of this deal, Luis Diaz, who we will, you know, get to know about. And hope, hopefully it comes off. Look, I must stress that at this stage it hasn't happened. But um, if you were Rafa Benitez, are you taking hammers to Brighton with you this afternoon when the team fly down there? It's a good question, isn't it? Um really depends how much he's been training this week because I'm not sure we actually know what day Hammers actually returned to Finch Farm this week. He, he was he was pictured in the uh, the images that were released yesterday, but if if he's if he's fit enough, I still think you've got to take him. To be honest, like, I think he's he's he, at the end of the day he's a player contracted to Everton. He's a very he's a very talented player contracted to Everton as well. So you know even to have somebody of his quality on the bench, I think would be a huge asset that I think you know, with with points so in Everton's grasp at the start of this season, you know, Brighton away hasn't traditionally been a ground that Everton have done very well at, but, you know, let's say it's coming like it's 1-1 or something like that in the 80-odd minute and we've got James Rodriguez sat, not, sat on the bench for the last 10 minutes of the game. Like, I just don't think he can pass up that sort of opportunity. I realise, obviously, that you're then running the risk of, and potentially coming on and getting injured and blah blah blah, but you know I, th I do just think that that's that's the risk the footballers take whenever they step onto the pitch, isn't it? Really, that they might get injured, or this might happen, or this might happen. So you know, I, I think Rafa Benitez has kind of just got to push that to the back of his mind. He was saying in his press conference just just a, a little short while ago that he's just focusing on this Brighton game and he's going to pick the right players 
uh, for the for that game. He's still got the likes of Moise Keane, James Rodriguez in his squad. So they're still they're still part of his plans up, up until you know thirty first of August or up until potential deals take them away from the club. So I think in that sense you do kind of have to make some sort of plan for James. I, just, I, like, I do just think he's too good to leave out the squad at the minute, to be honest. So, yeah, I, I would take him. I wouldn't start him, but I, I'd take him. Gav, James Rodriguez, too good to leave out the squad or too important to what Everton can do in the remaining four and a half days of the window to include in the squad? Yeah, I'd, I'd leave him out, to be honest with you. Uh, though, I'd, if he... If he did fly down to Brian. I'd like to see him do a photograph on Instagram of him lying on a mattress and saying no thumbs up and all this, you know. Um, <laughs> it, 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 we'll be, we'll be, we'll, <laughs> I mean, we're assuming, we're assuming he knows we're playing Brighton there, by the way. Um, well, yeah. The, 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 I'd, I'd leave him out. I just, I just, if he's going, I just, I, I see what I'd say. And would he get on, is he pissing off to get on the subs bench? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's too, too precious, you know, to sort of involve a trip to Brighton. I just, uh, you know, make sure we work, you know, work on getting them out the door over the weekend. That means of not being at the club and being elsewhere, talking to his agents and talking to Porto. Then I'm not sure whether his mind's a bit Brighton, but I see what I'd say. It, but, you know, I don't think he's even fit enough, is he, to, to you know, but uh, interesting to see how that pans out, actually. Yeah, very. Yeah. In the, yeah, watch this space and we'll bring you uh, updates on that as and when. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Preno, you know, minds are focused as we get close to the deadline and, and plenty of potential ins and outs. But one player who will not be leaving or 99.999% certain he won't be leaving, uh, according to Rafa, is Richarlison. That was as close as any manager could possibly give to a cast-iron guarantee that he won't be going anywhere despite these links to PSG who uh, who look like they're going to be selling uh, Kylian Mbappé. Yeah, it was quite heartening to hear that because uh, I enjoyed Rafa's press conference in a, in a perverse kind of way because he didn't actually say a great deal and he gave her like a really great straight bat to everything. But did it with like a little smile on his face and uh, by saying a few words, but actually saying nothing. And the only real, uh, and by the way, for everybody that's listening to this, he also then has separate conversations, you know, so with Phil and the boys. And so, you know, he, he, you know, it's not just what you see on the, on the YouTube channel uh, that you hear. He does actually give other information away. Uh, but he was just like, he was so clever, I think, in what he was uh, giving away. And uh, the one thing that he was absolutely unequivocal about was Richarlison. That was as firm as he got in the entire press conference. And it was, no, we're not looking to sell him. And we hope he'll score lots of goals. You know, did he say for the year to come? Or was it years to come, plural? I wasn't, couldn't quite catch that. But it was. It was as fairly you know, defiant uh, a message as you could issue. I mean, because that concerns me enormously, um, losing a player of Richarlison's quality and work ethic and enthusiasm. And, you know, having worked so hard 
to keep him sweet, sending him to the Olympic Games and saying, okay, you owe us now, you know, so come on, put a shift in for us, which he has done, to then lose him three days before a transfer deadline. And I get that, you know, 100 million euros, whatever it is, you know, the PSG might be talking about, does sound quite attractive on the surface, but it doesn't when you've got to try and replace a player of that quality in three days. And okay, I know I said earlier that Rafa will have all kinds of like aces up his sleeve as regards the transfer market, not for a striker of that quality. They are very hard to come by and you need to put in hard yards for months and months and months to secure players of that quality. So no, I think it's very important that we do keep hold of Richarlison. We spoke again in the summer about, you know, Rafa's rationale this uh, this preseason being to get players in wide positions, getting crosses into the box quickly as possible to take advantage of the aerial threat of players like Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. So suddenly, if you take one of that, you know, aerial threat away, you know, you're losing half your effectiveness. So no, it would be a big blow to lose Richarlison. So yeah, obviously a lot can happen between now and, uh, and Tuesday, but I'm, I was reasonably heartened to hear that. And I hope that, you know, Rafa is as steadfast in what he says over the next few days as he was this afternoon. Yeah, indeed. Rafa's comments backing up what we've been told earlier in the week, where the club... Club sources unequivocally sort of saying they would not entertain an offer, but Adam, it is it is rather surreal, but perhaps fitting of a wild and just crazy summer at Everton that actually the biggest deals that are coming to the to a head in the in the transfer window and the knock on effect seemingly Everton are sort of um, linked right through the middle of this. You obviously Cristiano Ronaldo looks like he could be going to City. Juventus now looking for somebody. To, as a replacement, they're interested in Moyes Keane again. We're told there's firm interest there. PSG losing Mbappe, they have to strike. They might still want Keane. They're talking about Richard, you know, Richarlison's being offered to them by <laughs> in, intermediaries, it seems. I mean, literally, this is just crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely bizarre when you look at it that way. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the world's best players over the last few years, about to leave Juventus and they want to replace him with. You know, an Everton striker, that that's weird enough. You know, Kylian Mbappé, probably one of the future best players in the world, leaving Paris Saint-Germain, and they want to replace him with an Everton striker as well. It's just it's just an incredibly strange sort of situation. But, you know, I, I think I've got to agree with Preno in terms of Richarlison. I, think, I just think it's come too late in this window, to be honest, to for Everton to even, you know, be con- considering any sort of offer that comes their way for them. And I think... You know, an interesting aspect of this, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and an interesting aspect of it is that Neymar's at PSG. And obviously, Neymar and Richarlison have quite a quite a good connection with each other. Richarlison spoke so many times in the past that, you know, he used to idolise Neymar when he was growing up back in Brazil. And now, you know, they play together for the national team. They've got a really good chemistry together for the national team. Richarlison playing centrally just allows Neymar to essentially play wherever he wants. And, you know, potentially the idea of, recreating that in club football would be something that would personally appeal to him so you know may, maybe that's something that needs to come into consideration as well but I think that's it's something that Everton shouldn't really shouldn't really be bothered about because you know as Preno says you know 90 million 100 million whatever it is you know it would good, look good on the surface of things but then Everton have to spend that money essentially to replace somebody with the qualities that Richarlison has and when you come this late into the transfer window and you've just got such a huge windfall, every other club's going to know that as well. You know, every, if whatever player we go for, the, the, the selling club will go, oh, you've just got 100 million for Richarlison, have you? There's an extra 10, 15 million onto the onto the price tag for whoever you want. And that, you know, especially in the financial situation that Everton find themselves in now, they can't really afford to be paying a premium on 
you know, any players that they're going to be bringing in this summer. So, yeah, none of it makes sense to me uh, from the Everton perspective for letting Richarlison go. So, you know, fing- fingers crossed any sort of firm bid for PSG doesn't come in. I'll be keeping my fingers crossed that Kylian Mbappe stays put, to be honest, so that we just don't have to worry about this at all for the last few days. Well, I mean, if, if Kylian Mbappe, even if he leaves, you know, PSG after a striker, they could be uh, they could still be coming for Moyes Keane. Who knows? Um, but Gav, I mean, we have to, on the other side, and we have to reflect this, Everton, very, you know, publicly acknowledging up against it with financial fair play rules yeah. and regulations. Football club bids £100 million for one player. Have you not got to consider it? And we, we're saying £100 million oh, as, as an idea, you know. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the current market, yeah, of course. I mean, um, interesting to see here what Richarlison thinks of this, by the way. <laughs> uh, bear in mind, add your comments there about Neymar and stuff, and uh, we know Messi's there. Um, Richarlison's views are interesting. A little bit of a... Uh, setting aside Richarlison, there's a little bit of here about the, the space thing with Harry Kane, isn't it? That although Levy was right... If you're a Spurs fan to say we want to keep Harry Kane, he's the best striker or one of the best two strikers in Europe. Um, even Spurs are feeling the pinch and there was a thought in some quarters, well, hang on a minute, if you can get 130, 140 million in this market and the current economic conditions, then actually that would be a result, wouldn't it? For a player that you're not going to get that fee for in future. No, Richardson's younger, so it's slightly different. But you... I, I get the, the it's the end of the transfer window and um, it's not going to go anywhere because of the um, you know the, the the late timing of any deal. But from if you're being counter of the club, and even if you're beneath us, perhaps you'd be thinking actually that does give give us an opportunity uh, because Benitez has said himself, hasn't he, this week? You know, constrained by FFP. Uh, or whatever the profits and sustainability bags in the Premier yeah. So get that, don't sell them. But at the same time, there'll be a bit something similar. Hang on a minute, it's not often you get offered hundred million pounds or euros or whatever it is for a player. Let's have a let's have a think about it. You know, so don't don't know. Is this, there's there's lots of things about the club, Richarlison himself. You know, the the manager. All coming up probably from several different angles here, aren't they? On this, and it, I'm not sure you can get them with all three of them, three or four elements there to align properly. Yeah, interesting mm. one. I, I think yeah. we should keep them, by the way, because I, I, yeah. the lateness of the deal. For all of us, just said that. I just think that the timing of it is just uh, just makes it, you know, uh, unsustainable for us to, to sell them at this stage. So I'd be interested to see. Another one, just being sassy, what happens in the next few days. I'm with Tano, by the way. You know, he said about Rafa liking this. He, he, he yeah. said in his press conference, somebody asked him uh, about the, 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 the window, and he said, Oh, we, you know, we've got until, you know, four days left or something. That, that's plenty of time. I think. <laughs> 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 you know, they, they speak somebody who's been here many mm-hmm. times before. Four days can, is a lot, long time of football, isn't it? So, Four hours is a long time on deadline yeah, four day. Four hours, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, so it'd be it's just be interesting. But we say lateness to the Charleston. <laughs> In that context, the courts of beneath as it isn't plenty of time yeah. left. Yeah, 
no, I think uh, I think we're all agreed, aren't we? I would think, or at least most of us would be agreed that whatever the bid, um, it's too late, isn't it, to accept anything from Charlton? But of course, it was again once underlined, and I'm sure I'm sure the club have done this and are doing this. But where their predecessors seemingly failed was to not fully succession plan for the loss of Lukaku, and you feel that that has to be something really now that focuses minds once that once the window shuts and Charlton's still here. We've been through this too many times now for it not to kind of rear its head again next summer and, and you know ultimately probably one day actually come to fruition. So all about succession planning. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Preno, we mentioned Moise Keane, firm interest from Juve, and we understand probably also from PSG. It looks as though, and it appears and feels as though, there is you know, appetite on all sides for, for Moise to leave the club, whether that's on loan, with an obligation to buy, or permanently. Uh, we shall see in the coming days. But it would, it would also seem that his final act as an Everton player was getting sent off, which in a sort of disappointing, <laughs> sad, cruel way almost sums up how how much of a, I wouldn't say nightmare, but how much of a disappointment it's been for him and for us. It was, yeah. It was almost like symbolic of uh, you know the way his Everton career has gone. Um, it, it was again, it was a, a typical Moyes Keane performance on uh, on Tuesday. I thought there was that wonderfully finished you know sort of goal in the first half, which was very harshly ruled off, ruled out for offside. But then sloppiness in other parts of his game, giving the ball away cheaply, which you know. Just left you thinking, oh, here we go again. It's another like Maurice Keane type performance. Um, I just think that certainly for the next year or so, he's going to be one of these like potential players that you think every now and then you'll see flashes of and think, oh, yeah, there's a real player there. But then he'll do something sloppy or he'll do something, you know, a little bit strange. And I don't know whether Everson, the position that we're in at the moment, you know, whether we can continue to indulge a player that might become a great player, you know, so sometime down the line. I've certainly not seen enough. I'm not going to be hypocritical about it. I know I've been quite critical of Moise Keane in the past. And I've not seen enough to suggest that, you know, I think there's a great player in the making here. Like Calvert-Lewin, like right from the word go, I think we all said that, you know, we could see a player here. You know, we described him as a young Graham Sharp, you know, a long, long time ago. And, you know, still a long ways to go to reach those levels, by the way. But, you know, there's still, you know, so you could see, you know, so a work in progress there and a really good player developing. And, you just haven't really seen that with Moyes Keane. You just see like this loose cannon that sometimes will do something absolutely incredible, but not often enough for my liking. And then most of the time, you know, he'll do something a little bit silly, a little bit, you know, sort of sloppy. And his attitude attitude off the pitch has been a little bit questionable at times as well. You know, he's been uh, cautioned and told off a number of times for turning up late for meetings and, you know, sort of behaviour and what have you. So, yeah, I think it probably is best if he could be moved on for a decent sum of money, uh, which obviously the club are hoping to do. I think he himself would be happy with that. Um, you know, you get the impression that, you know, he, he wants to move on. He's quite happy to, you know, well, obviously PSG was his dream move. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So, you know, obviously Juve is probably a very, very good solution. There's that word again. Uh, for, for everybody all concerned. So, yeah, I, w- I won't be disappointed and sorry to see him go. A little bit frustrated it hasn't worked out, um, you know, as well as maybe it would have done. 
but I've not seen enough, you know, so in that time, to be honest, to think that it's worth persevering with. So, yeah, once again, you know, quite a, a decent solution to the problem. Uh, it looks like it might have presented itself. Adam, one person who inevitably would be disappointed if and when Moise Keane does leave the football club would be Marcel Brands, because of all the players attached to Marcel's um, tenure so far, if you like, Mo- Moise, unfortunately for Marcel, for the wrong reasons, is the, is the player that really kind of symbolises a lot of what Marcel does. It was a lot of money. It was a young player. It was a striker. He'd seemingly done so much work to get him out of the club, uh, get him out of Juventus, sorry, bring him to Everton. And it just hasn't worked. I and mean, he will be, you know, I'm sure when he, when the eleven PM comes and, and the deadline shuts, you will be uh, you will be disappointed. Well, of course, he made that big gesture to Moise Keane and his mother as well, didn't didn't he? When uh, they first joined, you know, presenting you know his mother with a personalised shirt and saying we will look after your son and stuff like that. You know, it it really did feel like, as you say in there, this was Marcel Brands almost sticking his neck out. To be honest, Marco Silva had said throughout that summer that he wanted, you know, a big name striker to be leading the line for him. Dominic Calvert-Lewin wasn't what he is now at that time, of course, was he? So, you know, Everton did need somebody to step up and lead the line at that time. And, you know, perhaps Marco Silva, if he was given his way, probably wouldn't have looked in the direction of Moise Keane, especially for the amount of money uh, that Everton did eventually pay for him. But you've got to think back at the time, Everton fans were really, really excited about this signing. You know, I saw a lot of people saying, this is... This is what we want Everton to be doing, you know, signing these young, incredibly talented footballers and, you know, seeing seeing how they can progress in the future. And it, it is quite unfortunate for him that it just it just didn't work out. I still maintain that if he'd have started more games in that first season, then we would have seen a little bit more from him. But, you know, it, it's kind of by the by at this point, I think, as soon as he moved out on loan to PSG, that was essentially his time at Everton coming to an end really wasn't it you know I think he made his he made his intentions quite clear even at the start of that loan move that he was that he was going to be interested in you know permanently leaving the club and he he made that you know very clear again towards the end of his stay in Paris as well so it it is unfortunate that it's not worked out and Marcel Brands will be extremely disappointed by it because this was this was almost an embodiment of what Marcel Brands wanted to be at Everton in signing Signing, how old was he when when he signed for Everton? Nineteen. Yeah, you know, signing this nineteen-year-old lad who you know was a, a revelation in Italy. Essentially, Juventus didn't want to lose him at the time. So, yeah, it, it, it could have been it could have been something incredible. But you know, I think Preno's right, really, in that we haven't really seen enough over the last two years to really justify. Uh, Everton really fighting to keep Moise Keane, especially when there's you know firm interest from Juventus again. You know whether it is alone with an obligation to buy. You know it, in terms of you know the way player amortisation works and the accounts, it's still going to be around five million that Everton would save even if he doesn't leave on loan in in these sort of accounts. So you know I don't think Everton can really turn the nose up at something like that to be honest, especially with an obligation to buy at the end. You know it's. It's it, it it's as you said at the start. It does seem just like a, a win win for all parties in this situation, and it it really is a shame that it hasn't worked out. Because I think I really would have liked to have seen uh, Moise Keane step up and really develop at Everton. But we'll have we'll have to see whether he can do it elsewhere now, and we'll have to see whether 
Everton can replace him. Uh, yeah, if, if they can bring in any sort of replacement that's going to offer it a little bit more than him in the future. Gav, if if it comes to pass that Moyes does leave and and you know he, he never plays for the club again, what what, what would your feelings be? Um, about Keane or the deal or Edison? Um, no, just Keane, think, just Keane generally. I think you know in terms Keane, of. I had said last week, didn't we? That we had a conversation about him last week, didn't we? Which preempted the sending off. You know, such petulant, childish, doesn't look interested. You know. Slightly the uh, the pre-match at Leeds. I think we spoke about that on Monday. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't get off the uh, the pitch quick enough, could he, on Tuesday night? Didn't exactly, you know. Um, Didn't exactly argue yeah, his case. Did you? No, no. Um, so that sums up his career, uh, really. I mean, never mind seeing enough. I've, I've not seen anything from him. I mean, the only game I think he played well was against Bournemouth. In the last day of the season at Goodison and the way everybody else played, that wasn't hard to be honest with you. And he's obviously caused headaches off the pitch as well on occasions, as as Prano alluded to. So that's my impression of him. That's it. Nothing. It's just, you know, you, it goes back to why Juventus holds him in the first place. Um, regarding brands, I think though you, you're always taking a gamble, but the certain assurances that you take out, isn't it? And, Keen with the fact that he is age and he does have a good reputation in Italy. So the worst thing that could happen nearly is we break even on the deal, you know. You know, and um, that's you know, as Adam was talking about there, the way we you know, we class transfer costs and stuff, that's probably what's gonna happen when we, we sell them. Um yeah, as had a, a year out on loan, so um yeah, and that's it. Just I'm not seeing anything, you know. And and, and I think assuming he leaves, somebody needs to get a hold of him and say, "Listen, mate, you've got plenty of talent there. You've got pace. It was a great finish, wasn't it, on Tuesday night? Um, you know, you you're mobile. You know, you, you've obviously played for one of the biggest clubs in Italy, one of the biggest clubs in Europe. Plenty of talent. Take a step back and." Look at your attitude, look at your off the pitch, look at your on the pitch demeanour, work hard, and you'll do well because at the moment he's he's going backwards, isn't he? And if you're going backwards at what was he, 21, 22, if you're going backwards at 21, 22, it's very difficult to pull things back. You know, and um, never mind transferring them. I'd be, you know, if it was an agent, I wouldn't never mind transferring and be saying, listen, you know, Get yourself sorted, get your mindset right, because he's obviously not got the right attitude on and off the pitch, has he? And that's what, well, Moise, that's what I'd say, really. Well, Moyes, if you're listening and you think about parting ways for me with me now, Raiola, Gav is the man. Yeah, I'll, I'll have a word, you know. If, if you see me play, on, if you see my own appearance on Tuesday night on the five side pitch, you may want to give any advice or give him short trip, to be fair. But, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> to be fair. No, but seriously, I, you do. There's talent there, isn't it? You can see that. You, of course, it is. Yeah. To, to take take him, take him to one side and say, "Listen, you know, you need to change your attitude." He's obviously, um, and I, I, I think the other thing as well, which we do need to take into account, while he's been away from home, we've had all the COVID stuff, so we, well, you know, the self isolation and all that, and 
foreign country is not not great as well for young players in particular. So we also need to take that into account when judging his time and everything. I think, but all in all, very disappointing. And Preno, look, and I know this isn't exclusive to Moyes, and and happens often happens in football. But uh, I guess his departure from the field reflected even less on him in the fact that actually Everton improved with uh, when they were down to ten men on Tuesday and actually booked up their ideas and turned around what was a very sticky situation to come away with a very good win in the end and and, and, and secure passage to the next round of the cup. I thought that spoke volumes, to be honest, for the, uh, the the switches made by the manager at the time, because he took a big chance on Tuesday with the, uh, the the squad that he took over to the game. I mean, there was very little on the bench in terms of you know forward quality there to change things and change the shape of the game. And the changes that he made, I was scratching my head a little bit. You know, some of them thinking, why has he done that? You know, okay, he's changing the shape there. Why is he? Why is he doing that? And, and to end up, it was a Townsend was actually playing as like a, a false nine at one stage. And it was, it was just it, they were quite intriguing changes, but but they worked. And I think that was down to the manager really. He was placed in a situation, you know, by Moyes Kidd. And let's be fair, it was a, it was a harsh sending off. I mean, the, okay, I've, I've seen a couple of images since of of Keane with his hand actually on the guy's throat. Which, if the referee's seeing that, okay, that's raising your hands. That's maybe why you know, so he's made the decision he has. But at the time, there didn't seem much in it. He barred, he was fouled clearly. He barged the guy that fouled him, and then a bit of a melee. And uh, you think, well, that's a bit harsh to send him off for that. But as Gav said, I mean, you couldn't wait to get off the pitch. It was almost like he knew he'd done wrong. And uh, he said, right, you know, so I've, I've, you know, I've been stupid. Get, get, get away from it as quickly as I can. Uh, but you know, the, the improvements afterwards, I think, was down to the switches, you know, tactically that the manager made, which was quite heartening stuff. I mean, it's all been very, very bold so far, everything we've seen from him. And it, whether that is an actual considered decision because you know he's aware that he's got the reputation as being a pragmatic coach that you know tries to be a little bit uh, defensively minded uh, at times and maybe he's thought look if i'm going to win the supporters over here i've got to be you know so fairly ambitious i've got to be fairly bold and he's done that in all three games so far and you know brighton is always a place where you know the games can be quite open they can be quite you know so lively so hopefully we'll see the same again uh, but yeah it, it didn't really um reflect well i suppose <laughs> on Moise Keane. the fact that we, we came back and won it does reflect well though on the character that already appears to exist in the squad that that is you know two occasions now that we've been behind in games and we've come back and uh i've been leveling games and you know so suffered a major setback and come back so yeah you know so fingers crossed you know it's it's, it's all looking very very promising the royal blue podcast from the liverpool echo And I think um, I think I turned to you or I was on the way home from Leeds on Saturday and said, it's early days with Rafa and understandably we've not really seen a defined style or an identity as people crave. But what we have seen clearly in bucket loads is spirit, guts, determination and clearly like a desire to... Uh, to, to, to get results and 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 a, and, a, and a perseverance which wasn't always there, and but also as well what mostly what wasn't there in the second half of last season, a positivity. Yeah, we're getting we're going forward. We're getting shots off, putting crosses in. It's not rocket science. It's not football reinvented, but it's it, it it's a, it's a it's a marked change from the second half of last season, isn't it? Mm. Well, with the second half of what you said there, I think there's no player that sums that up more for me in the first three games of the season than Alex Awobi. I think he's he's looked 
he's looked really, really promising in that sense in all of the games. Yeah, you know, I think he came on against Southampton, helped change the game for Everton in that sense. In that, uh, I thought he was really, really good against Leeds. Should have got an assist for Calvert Lewin with a really good pass. And uh, I think he was one of the best players on the pitch uh, against Huddersfield as well. Obviously played a big part in Townsend's goal, scored a really good goal himself with a good run through the middle. It looks like he's been given a renewed sense of, you know, purpose almost. Like he's, he's he's very much got clear instructions and he's following them to the letter and it's it's really paying off for him. And I think, you know, if he's if he's fit, I think he's he's got a really good case to be in Everton starting eleven now with well when everybody's fit, which I think, you know, at the start of the season not a lot of people uh, would have thought that. And you're completely right about what you know what we've seen in terms of fight and desire across the whole squad. I think, you know, in ideal circumstances, we'd have liked Everton to not have to show that <laughs> that sort of fight uh, quite so often so early in the season. You know, we would have preferred not to be behind against Southampton, but they did react well to it. Would have preferred not to have well most of that game against Huddersfield, to be honest, but they did react well to it in that sense as well. I think. You know, with it being still so early in the season, you don't want to jump to too many huge conclusions. You know, this could still be a sort of new manager bounce sort of thing. I do think you know, we have experienced this with new managers in the past, haven't we? Even when Duncan Ferguson took interim charge, we were saying, oh, the, the fight and desire is back. And, you know, when Carlo Ancelotti first took charge, it was, it was the same sort of thing. So I'm just hoping that, you know, this can be a consistent sort of thing but I think the more promising thing is you know the latter part of what you said the the fact that Everton do sort of have you know this new sort of attack and identity the players clearly seem to know what they're doing in this sort of system it's very exciting going forward defensively it's still there's still a, a bit of a work in progress I would say uh, but you know going forward I think it's it's really really interesting for Everton fans to see that because there were so many times last season that we just went through absolutely dire sort of attack and performances you know sometimes we get wins out of them so that would be fine but you know other times we were losing at home to the likes of Newcastle, Fulham, Sheffield United so you know to see a, a, a better brand of attack and football with players who actually you know seem to have a real sort of purpose and direct attitude behind them I think that's that's the most promising thing that we should be focusing on from these first three games I reckon. Mm. And does definitely feel in the first two league games, at least, that him pushing Decore further forward has just mm. uh, has just helped things, doesn't it? Quite a lot in that regard. He's he's, he's really linked up well. Okay, we will uh, look to round up and conclude the pod there. But of course, predictions time. This was the Brighton preview pod, and we've barely touched on Brighton. We could have talked about Graham Potter and why he was should have been the man for Everton or shouldn't have been the man for Everton, given he was. Uh, considered before Rafa got the job um, last summer, but maybe that'll have to be for, for when they come to Goodison. Gav, give me your thoughts on the type of team you want to see tomorrow and what your prediction is. Uh, type of, I'm, with, I'm with the Wobie Shelves from Ad, by the way. Been involved in five or seven goals so far this season. A Wobie. Um, Score on one. It's like an, it should have been involved in an eight, shouldn't he, with that pass, which is one of the best moments of 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 the season so far from an Everton player, hasn't it? The best uh, moment, so, of, like not being not being facetious. Sorry, Gav. It's actually the best moment of Wobie's Everton career that pass. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, that was the, yeah. That was that. I, as soon as he put that pass through on Saturday, I thought to myself, "That's the best pass he has produced as an Everton player." And that's not yeah. being patronising or whatever. Just that no, is no, just no. how it is. 
Yeah, it goes back to one to play as a number 10. Did they have half a game under Carlo and they took them <laughs> yeah. off or whatever it was yeah. last season? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it will be definitely get a shirt. Um, I'm just trying to think, what do you mean? Well, do we need to have our um, twice weekly centre half conversation <laughs> at this point? <laughs> uh, perhaps not. I mean, the only change you I could think, I'm, I'm thinking of the Leeds lineup. Um, the only change I would think of really from Leeds, I mean, obviously we've changed several from Tuesday night, is the centre half, isn't it? Um, again, Rafa was a little bit vague, wasn't he, over who's missing and from what I heard. Uh, but you'd, you'd, would you be looking at bringing Godfrey in there, I'd say? Godfrey um, travelled so, to Huddersfield, didn't he, but wasn't deemed yeah. ready. Yeah. For me, do you, do you risk starting him, given there's an international break, or do you just put him on the bench? I don't know. Difficult one. Yeah, well, I, I think push comes to shove. I think he'd... Uh, I'm trying to think, did Holgate, who played at Leeds, was it centre-half? Mina, Mina. Mina and Keane. Yeah, of course, yeah. Of course it was uh, me. How could I you think... forget? Mina treating it like he, yeah. was, in, he was in WWE. <laughs> trash, yeah, yeah. Trash-talking Patrick Bamford yeah. throughout the 90s. I, I think... <laughs> I think him and Bamford were rehearsing for Strictly for most of the game. <laughs> he even ended the game with his arms around him, didn't he? Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I keep, after, you know, uh, rambling on here for about five minutes, I'd say I keep the same team as Leeds. Um, I, I, unless you bring Colgate into the team, which I don't think you could justify. Human no injuries, etc. Keep the same team as Leeds. Um where they played excellently. And I'm expecting a, a, another type of game like that against Brighton. On, they play good football themselves, don't they, on, uh, on Saturday. So, uh, yeah, same team uh, as mm, the team. Godfrey's not ready. Uh, as I've just alluded to, got a dreadful record down there, haven't we, in the, in the Premier League? Mm-hmm. We don't score. God, we lost two draws and one of them is a he fluked it, didn't he? But it was like Rooney, was it a late Rooney penalty, was it? Um, yeah. Hmm. yeah, I'm gonna go with my sitting on the fence, Alan Shears style one all. <laughs> you know, default, uh, default draw here, maintain uh, yeah. the unbeaten. I'm gonna go yeah. one all, which will be a decent result, I think. Yep, yeah. maintain the unbeaten run. Okay, Preno, yeah. uh, what, sort of, what sort of team do you want to see? What score do you think it'll be? Well, the, the t- team I want to see uh, would be Ben Godfrey, you know, so straight back in there, if available. And unfortunately, that would have to be at Michael Keane's expense uh, because I think he's had enough chances now. And uh, he's he's costing us goals, you know, so far too frequently. And he needs a little bit of time out of the other firing line, I think. I mean, I think Rafa played him on uh, on Tuesday to try and, you know, get over that problem, you know, the conceding goals in his first two games or being involved in the concession of goals in the first two games. And even then, you know, was it him that lost, you know, the leaves from the header through the corner? It probably was. So, no, he, he would make way, certainly, if Ben Godfrey's available. But we don't know for sure whether that's the case. But other than that, now with Gavin, I wouldn't change too much. I mean, the, uh, the team was very, very uh, bold. Left a little bit of space for Leeds to attack, and Brighton will do that again. Brighton's big problem is missing chances, you know, so they don't have finishes. More plays injured as well, isn't it, this weekend? Uh, which, which is, you know, sort of quite good news, I suppose. Um, I was tempted to go with Gavin the 1-1 uh, because of our record at Brighton because it's like um, a place we traditionally don't do particularly well but I'm not I'm, I'm going to be quite ambitious and bold like the manager um, you know so we're creating chances and if we can 
strengthen things a little bit at the other end. And, you know, he rested a huge number of players on uh, on Tuesday. So everybody should be switched on and should be ready and raring to go again. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win. I think I think we can win. I think it'll be an open game. Uh, it'll be worth watching. Um, yeah, maybe, OK, my heart probably is ruining my head there, but I'll stick with it. I'm going to go with 2-1 the Blues. Excellent. Add uh, sort of team you want to see and, and how do you think it's going to go? Yeah, I've got to completely agree with Preno. To be honest, I think if Ben Godfrey's, you know, any any semblance of fit, I think he's got to start this game, to be honest, because, you know, I, I think Michael Keane over the first three games of the season, I really like him as a player, but his confidence just seems to be a little bit shot, to be honest, as soon as he made that Southampton mistake. You know, all the mistakes have crept into his game in the other two games. I just don't think he's earned his place don't think Mason Holgate's necessarily earned his place after the two games that he's already played this season. Uh, Yeri Mina, you know, he had that shaky start against Patrick Bamford, but I think he actually did step up really well in the second half and had a really good second half against Leeds. So I would hope that he'd be able to continue that form on. And obviously, you know, before the Leeds game, we talked about how good Mina and Godfrey were together against Leeds last season as well. So fingers crossed, if Godfrey is fit, we'll be able to bring him in and they'll be able to put in a similar sort of performance at the Amex. But I think that would be the only change uh, I would make injury permitting everywhere else across the pitch. Because I, I think, as the lads have said, we have, we've have we looked quite good going forward. And if we can just shore things up at the back a little bit, uh, then then we'll be, we'll be relatively sound, I think. In terms of score prediction, it is really hard because yeah. Yeah, I, can't, I can't shake the bad results that we've had at the Amex over... Over the last few years, Brighton have started this season pretty well as well. Uh, I think it's it, it, Preno says Brighton's big problem is missing chances. I think that was Everton's big problem against Leeds as well. And yeah. you, you'd argue in the first few minutes against Huddersfield as well, Everton just missed a, f- a few too many chances to make it to make things a little bit more comfortable for themselves. So hopefully Everton can put that to one side. I'm going to go two two, and I think it's going to be quite a quite an open sort of hectic sort of, sort of game uh, but I hope I hope Everton proved me wrong and they can get a big three points but I think it'll be an exciting game nonetheless well hopefully we uh, we do come away with something positive because we've uh, collectively traveled down there too many times in recent seasons and been uh, <laughs> and been bitterly disappointed <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, chaps, thank you very much. Hang on, for... hang on, hang on, Phil. You're not getting away with this. Where's your prediction? Oh, sorry, forgive me. <laughs> um, I, I think I agree with Gav. I think we, we will get something, but I think it'd be 1 1. I think, uh, you know, Brighton dominate the ball, don't we? I think we'll hit them on the counter attack, but yeah, I think we will concede, sadly. But we'll come away with something, definitely. Excellent. Good stuff. Uh, thanks, chaps. Thank you very much for your company. As always, great stuff. Thank you very much for listening. Adam and I head in very shortly down to Brighton, so stay with us uh, across the weekend for all the news, opinion analysis, and maybe some more transfer news as we edge closer to deadline day. Of course, we'll be back with you next week uh, with more news and reviews of what's happened at the Amex. Thank you very much for listening. This has been the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.